Do you know a family looking to enrich their children's Jewish learning? Some want to give their children Jewish enrichment beyond what they're learning in day school. Others don't send their kids to private Jewish day school. And many Jewish parents today homeschool, but still need a solution that offers their children serious Jewish learning. That's why I created Kita. Kita offers serious Jewish learning at an affordable price. With Kita, middle school-aged children receive three Khan Academy-style lessons each week and also participate in a weekly Zoom lesson. Over this past year, children and Jewish families around the world studied and developed their Jewish learning skills with Kita. Now, we're looking to build on our incredible success as we open enrollment for the fall 2021 semester. Courses will include the 10 trials of Avraham Avinu as we study texts from Reishit, Megillat Ruth, as well as Mishnah Masechet Sukkah. To schedule a consultation and find out if Kita is right for your family, visit kita.org slash home plus and fill in the registration form. That's kita, K-I-T-A-H dot org slash home plus. Welcome to another edition of RZ Weekly, Religious Zionist Weekly, our weekly podcast about religious Zionism. Uh, this week, much probably less modern orthodoxy and everything in between. Molly, are you in your happy place? I'm in, well, I'm working to get there. Which we're, we're working to get to our happy place. That is Rabbi Molly Dravsky. She is our resident podcast social worker, guide, and guru, who is going to help us find our happy place together with Rabbi Johnny Solomon. Rabbi Johnny, how are you? I'm also trying to find my happy place, and I'm looking forward to our session and, <laughs> and Molly's guidance in helping me find. Rob Johnny's our resident <laughs> yoetz, our guide, our well, he's also a my guru, and uh, and also a writer and a uh, an educator. My name, I said, is Ruben Spolter. I am the director of Kita.org. So if you're looking for a happy place for your kids' homeschooling Jewish needs in the coming years, send me an email. I'd love to talk to you. Today we're going to talk about our happy place, or in other words, we're in the middle of a, you can't call it a war, but even though it is one, we're in the middle of a mivza. Mivza is an operation. Um, over Shavuot, it was a little calmer. We've now turned to, uh, it hasn't been, Johnny's making signs. So Molly's in the in Shavuot, she doesn't get these things. Except um, that today's a day of rage, we'll see what happens. Uh, today's a day of rage. I actually, well, whatever. Uh, um, um, I, I hope I actually, nothing happens. I, I on went on the day before, on Thursday I had work in Alon Shvud. I work in Herzog College, mm-hmm. and it was a real hit um, tut whether to drive or not because mm-hmm. there's a there's a there's a stretch of road where where you have to drive from the from the checkpoint until you get literally into Gush Tzion. and I felt very strongly that I needed to do it in order to sort of live my life. And it's like I, I thought like you know it's it's a nothing to drive to work, but in another way. Like, that, that's a sort of strength. That's a sort of something that I needed to do in order to, in order to express my solidarity to people that were going through hard things that I was going to drive to work. Anywho, Johnny, uh, Johnny brought up this idea, and I think that it's really good, the, the idea of coping, because where Johnny is and where I am, to a, to a less degree, we don't live in Sderot, and we don't live in Ashkelon, but there are either Azakot every now and then. We have less, sometimes very often, like... <laughs> Here in Yad Binyamin, we'll, we'll hear, because it's kind of open area. Johnny, do you have this? We'll hear Azakot in the next areas. In the, yeah, in the, 100%. One of the things crazy? that people don't realize is, aside from the app being open, the, the technology is so good and so pinpointing that it can literally, it'll divide between like very small, tiny slices of geographic areas. So in, on Friday night, our windows were open and we heard this Azaka at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, Azaka, Azaka, get up. And I said, I don't think it's ours. And then, but then we had another one at five o'clock in the morning. And is it ours or is it not ours? You have to check your phone after to see if it was yours or not. Um, but you have this phenomenon of deciding, like we had, we were all discussing, did you get up at two? Did you get up at five? Was it us? Wasn't it us? And that creates a sort of psychological burden. You're just dealing with this all the time. So we thought it would be a good idea for all of us to discuss how you cope. What helps you cope? What helps you deal with uh, the, 
the, the heaviness and the weightiness that we're all going through during this time. And I guess we're all going to talk personally. We're all going to give our perspective from a personal point of view. And then um, hopefully our listeners will benefit from that and share some of theirs as well. Let's start with our Johnny. Johnny, what brings you to your happy place as Molly's doing her breathing exercises? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I like the way you explained that. I like the way you introduced that. Thanks. You know, I live 25 kilometers from Aza. Um, in terms of just location, we haven't had that many sirens, but every single uh, iron dome intervention, basically within, uh, you know, 15, 20 kilometers, we hear it shakes the ground. Any operation that the IDF does in Gaza, we very much feel uh, literally in the foundations of our home, which means for the past week, not uh, much time has gone by when your whole body is quite literally shaking from events going on around you, aside from the fact that my kids are sleeping in the mamad, we're on edge in terms of the siren. You're kind of planning how you walk between places to make sure, you know, do I know somebody from here to here? I mean, in our neighborhood, everybody's door is open. If there's an azakai, you can go into anybody's house. There was a stretch, for example, my daughter had to go to Ulpana, and there's a stretch where there's not so many houses, so my wife just took her there just to make sure that she was comfortable. Our shul moved to the Ma'on uh, because that's a more secure building. As it happens, the actual Ma'amad in the Ma'on is like a soft playroom, so a lot of people in the Minion said, you know, we wouldn't mind it. It'll be so interesting how Minion just kind of goes into a soft playroom and kind of has fun for a bit, but that's just taking, making light of a, a, a challenging and difficult time. Overall, I think how I deal with uh, these kind of moments is obviously, first and foremost, I dove and I pray for all those who are on our front lines because because of their efforts, I have the greatest worry is getting into a safe room, which is generally no more than a few meters from me. Because of their efforts, I see these Iron Dome interventions. And so I begin with Hakaratatov, and I am so, so grateful to all those who are having sleepless nights, who are working so hard in the heat uh, to defend this country and our people. But beyond this, I'm also so taken by the generosity of spirit of those who have it worse. In our neighborhood, we had a number of families from Stirot. And though, yes, we have Azakot, it's much, much less frequent. And we had families here and people gave to them. Uh, I ourselves were, uh, we were offered to go elsewhere. And there are some beautiful stories of chesed, of people looking out for people, and that's very much heartwarming. Beyond that, uh, I give my kids, you know, even tighter hugs, and I remind myself of what's most precious to me, and, and try and use these difficult moments where it's hard to focus, admittedly. I mean, some of the work I do, I really, really struggle to do, because generally I need complete attention on some of the translation work I do, or writing that I do, and, and you can't quite do that where in between there's sirens and boomers, this, that, and the other. But in those moments of quiet, you think about those around you, your community, and you try and reach out to those uh, having a tougher time. So my, myself, it's through tefillah hakaratatov. It's through trying to do chesed and appreciate chesed and trying to be samach be happy with my lot, knowing that notwithstanding everything around me, I feel safe here in Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Okay, Molly, let us know. What do you think? Take us to your happy place. Okay, so um, just, to, just to kind of frame this a little bit, um, I, I think that we're all dealing with different things, but that I think Israel as a whole is dealing with, um, I would even say three different threats right now. The rockets that, are, that I'm not dealing with directly, right, because I live in between Hebron and Beit Lechem, so that's not a place that, um, that um, Hamas is enthusiastic about shooting rockets at. Um, unfortunately, we actually have a, um, uh, a view. There are people who can go to lookouts and they've actually gone there. Hamas has announced, we're going to shoot Tel Aviv between 10 and 12 or 12 and 2. And so they've, That's they've, one of my happy places. This is like a pastime. Yeah. You know, when you hear an Azaka, you go out and it's like... But there's something like very um, uncomfortable about it, right? Like it's not a fireworks display. So no, so I feel like th- to go and watch it, I think you need to have the proper mindset. Like you're watching it to like identify to appreciate the Iron Dome. This is not, uh, you know, this should not be seen as like a fun pastime. I think there's something ironic. And, and I think it, it's like also very uh, kind of surreal for us here. 
um, when we're usually the most dangerous part of the country. I think officially, sometimes Summit Hagosha has been called the most dangerous part of the country. And now, um, you know, we're not running to our safe rooms every second. At the same time, we have our own things to deal with. There are warnings about, you know, um, terrorist attacks and, again, day of rage stones throwing try that we were told to start try to limit being on the roads uh, you know at this point my kids were not home for shavuot and of course i was worried about them in, in separate yeshuvim um and so everybody has their own um and, and and the other concern i think that the country is worrying about in in the, in the cities in the mixed cities is obviously the um uh, what would you call them the riots the pogroms that are taking place that are that are hopefully uh, dying down and may, may they continue to die down so how do we all deal with this tremendous amount of tension and stress that we're living with and it's it's an ongoing stress and that's never healthy for us so one of the therapeutic approaches that i actually personally use for myself because it was once used on me was used on me before i knew that this was a therapeutic approach it was actually during like the first or second intifada and then i called the person i was like that was amazing she was like well that this is what i was doing i was doing a therapeutic approach and then i learned then i became a social worker before i was a social worker and now i use it all the time is i say to people um and if either of you want to do this along with me right now you can i say take a piece of paper Usually if you do this, like, you know, if you're doing this with like, you know, really like a project, you can have people with markers and, and, and um, colors and crayons or whatever they want or any other type of uh, media, but paper and pen is fine. And I say, think about a, a time in your past when you were going through something difficult, right? In the past, something, something difficult that you went through, that you, ha- that you experienced and that you've, you've managed, that you've, you've gone past, right? You've, you've gone through that experience. Um, and now just draw or write, you know, you can use words, you can use pictures. I would recommend pictures just because it's, um, it's more visual and it often gets us more in touch with our more primal instincts. What helped you then? Right? What helped you get through that difficult place? Um, I see. Ruby's what do you mean? What it. helped you? What helped you? I'm trying right? to do the thing. Yeah. So like, think about a hard time in your life that you got through in the past, not this one. A different one. It could be from any any time in your life. It can be anything, mm-hmm. right? What helped you? Okay. What, okay. So, like, you write them down, draw them. Okay. Okay. So now, okay. So, so if you were doing like a full therapeutic experience and people were comfortable sharing, right? What what you can do is you can take a look at what people wrote down. Okay. So I'll share that, like, at a certain point in my life. Um, I had written getting out into nature, knowing that I wasn't alone, talking to people in similar situations. Um, I actually did this now, and I thought of, of multiple different difficult situations because I realized that there have been different times in my life when I've, like, I, I kind of divided it down times in my life when I had anxiety and worry, a time in my life when I was dealing with sadness and loss. And a time in my life when I when I wanted something to happen that I was waiting for, and it was difficult to wait for that thing to happen, and I and I looked at the coping skills that I had in all those different times, right? So again, mm-hmm. one of those times it was really turning to spirituality. Another one of those times, I'll tell you which one. It was sadness and loss. Nature was very helpful to me. Um, um, times of anxiety and worry, I found that resting a lot, getting peaceful, and feeling supported was really important to me. So why is that valuable? Because first of all, what you can do is, what, what, what you can do if you're dealing with a group is you can, if you, you can like take what people have done and you can see if there are people who have similar coping skills, right? So if for me, right, the first time I did this, I, drew, drew, had, I had made a picture of a sitter, right? So the person who was running the program took all the people who had taken a picture um, that had some type of spiritual component in it and said, okay, you guys go talk in that corner. Right. And all the people who had, let's say, drawn pictures of um, I'll use nature, right, sunrises and flowers and planting trees said, OK, you guys go go talk in that corner. Right. And then she gave us all 15 minutes to talk and then she brought us all back together. Now, what's the point of this exercise and why is this helpful? Um, the, the point is that you find out what actually helps you. Right now, why is this valuable? Because again, I'm going to go with anxiety and worry because that's the, that's that's what I'm experiencing right now. Right, what I wrote down, and I'm, I'm, I don't mind sharing this: rest, 
getting peaceful, right? You had mentioned breathing, but yeah, getting peaceful, peaceful, meditation, breathing exercises, sitting quietly and feeling supported, right? Which is kind of Johnny had spoken about, um, you know, stories of inspiration, but that could be messages from people checking how we are. That could be um, like knowing that we're not alone. Um, and I'm sure you guys could share other ways that we all feel supported in many different ways. And why is it valuable to me? Because it's like, well, maybe before I did this, I didn't realize how important it was to me to rest, right? And I remember the first time I did this was during the first intifada. And I was like, wow, the things that I need are the opposite of the things that I'm doing. Because on my picture, I had a picture of like a sitter and I had a picture of like talking to friends and maybe I had a picture of sitting on a bench. Nowhere in that picture did I have obsessing about the news 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? <laughs> Which was exactly what I had been doing. I was like, I am doing the wrong thing, right? And so I think this exercise is very helpful from two, two perspectives because it really helps us figure out, wait, what helped me? What helps me? What helped me in the past and what's going to help me now? But it also points out, right, what didn't you put on there? Right? What didn't you put on there that you're actually doing a lot of, right? What's not helpful? Because I think that we do very often get drawn to things that like checking social media, listening to the news, um, you know, getting into angry, frustrated conversations with people about things that we disagree with that we think are so important. But if that's not, on, if that's not in your picture, maybe that's not, th- not something you should be doing so much of, right? Maybe you should be doing a little bit of it so you can stay informed, but maybe focus on your picture and maybe fo- or, or focus on the things that really help you. Right. And so for me, I find that very, very helpful. Right. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, you know what I need to do? I need to give myself a break. I need to clear some white space in my schedule. You know, I'm a pretty busy person. I do a lot. Resting a lot. Those are the words I wrote. Resting a lot. That's what I need. So I think maybe um, I'm going to say no to request A or obligation B or chesed C that I could be doing because I need to I need to put some some more white space into my calendar. Getting peaceful. Or, or, or nature. I think maybe if a friend of mine says, hey, you want to go for a walk? I will say yes. And you know where I want to walk? I want to walk on that ridge where there, are, you know, where there are a lot of flowers that I like or through that mountain where there are a lot of trees. And that's not easy, but I'm going to make an effort to do that. And then the most important one, which I think almost everybody's going to find on their picture, some level of connection, some level of social support, right? Which can be called into the lingo, tend and befriend, right? That we all feel better when we feel like we're not alone. Whether that means talking to people who are going through similar circumstances, whether that means talking to people who are willing to hear us and, and, and listen, whether that means talking to people who are in different circumstances who are going to support us and say, hey, we're with you, whether that means people who are going to do things for us, right? Or we're going to even just hear, as, as Johnny said before, vicariously, stories that remind us that people are actually um, doing things for other people. You know, Johnny had given the example this, that was very inspiring to me. There's a... Uh, a uh, shulen lud that had been destroyed and within a week volunteers had come and rebuilt the shul so it was ready for shavuot that was inspiring to me so so to, for everybody to find a way to find connection i feel like that's almost on everybody's list um and so i would just wrap up by saying cut out the things that are not helpful if it's not on your list but you realize you're doing it a lot stop just stop doing that thing and pay attention to your list and figure out what can I what can I actually implement and how can I implement this? And that's really, you know, that's how you find your happy place. That's unique Thanks, to you. Thanks, Molly. I was that was quite useful. Although it's interesting. I definitely find myself now like I discovered that like the news is on, available usually on YouTube, like the live news, and I find myself watching more and more of it. And then I realize I realize now that you mentioned it, like they don't add anything. They don't tell me anything I don't know. Like I'm not gonna turn off the app, the the what's it called to know about the Azakot. I think I need to know about yeah. those. But Everything that they had in between is totally useless and just mm-hmm. infuriating. Yeah. So, so I, I want to I mean, say one more thing, which is their I, job is to, to addict us. I want to kind of uh, you want to say one more thing. Yeah, and just then one I more quick thing. Apply. One more yeah. quick thing, which is I've also started to do a check in with myself after after Shabbos and after Yuntif. Um, I, I just quickly do like a zero to ten. How am I feeling? Because what's the first thing we all do after Shabbos and Yuntif? We run to our phones. We run to our phones. Right. So just to notice how am I feeling zero to ten? And then I do a check-in 10, 15, 20 minutes later after I've spent some time on my phone. <laughs> and three guesses if the They're number terrible. has gone. Of course it's Three gone, like, guesses if the number has gone up or down. Sure. Up or down. My number has invariably gone down. 
And that's so you're going to stop, stop going to your phone? I don't, I'm not going to stop going to my phone because as you said, we're human creatures. Let's be realistic. We want to find out the information. We want to find out what's going on. But I will be a, that that I will take that knowledge and do something with it, which is remember to take big, great, big breaks. Notice how valuable Shabbos and Yantif is. Right. And maybe minimize oh, the time on the phone. I my daughter yesterday. It's so great that I can't, that it's like, yeah, these are external these external and maybe do the things I do on Shabbos maybe instead of being on my phone for 45 minutes maybe I read a book like I do on Shabbos yeah okay so I want to sort of give a, just a little list that I may put together of what brings me to my happy place and the more you talked about it the more I, I realized how it was so let's, let's the first of all it's interesting I just have to say did you when you grew up did you have an Atari Johnny did they have Atari in, in England Right. I so had one Atari of the, in England. I didn't have one, but yeah. You didn't have one, right. We only got one later. We were like the last ones. My Uncle David brought it. One, he came and visited. It was like, the, I remember it like it was yesterday. Remember the game Missile Command? Do you remember having that game? It was like one of the early games. Mal, you know what I'm talking about? Missile Command? No, we had Space Invaders. Ah, so, okay. I'll share with you, I'll share, I'll share with you a picture of Missile Command, what Missile Command uh, looks like. And you'll tell me if this looks familiar to you, uh, you know, nowadays. I'm sharing it on the, no, I'm not sharing it there. I'll share it on our WhatsApp group. Tell me if you recognize Missile Command from, uh, from, uh, from, from something that you noticed. Like, the, the things that we're doing today, the rockets are literally, literally exactly, exactly that. It's like fascinating, but I had to mention this. So what inspires me? First of all, I have a child who's serving in one of the branches of the IDF. I will not say which. And I, even just a friend of my, a neighbor of ours, she was commenting on how her son has been like sitting in a tank 23 hours a day. They're not letting them out. And I'm, I'm telling you, like, I'm just awed here. Like, the more you understand who's running these things, you have basically children running multi-billion dollar, like, you know, weapon systems to protect us and doing just an amazing, amazing job with determination and seriousness and, 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 and doing it and doing it you know, in such a professional way. And I'm, I'm inspired. I'm inspired by their devotion and their dedication. I have another daughter who's doing Shehu Lu Mi and she's, she, can't, she can't go visit her Kshishot. That's what she does. She visits old people. So she calls them and she's worried about them. And I think that our, our kids and their devotion and their dedication, I find, that, I find that very, very inspiring just to watch them. You know, I think about like, I think about, like you said, other people so I think I'm on, uh, because I work with Sohar, I'm, I'm in a Sohar working group, and Sohar is located in Lod, so therefore many, many of the people live in Lod. And on the one hand, it's really hard and, and difficult to watch, but the, their determination and their, their, their strength, I find very, very inspiring. That you know, I can't imagine what they went through, what these people are going through, but their understanding that just the very fact of where they chose to live is now an issue of national security and their understanding and their determination that we're not going anywhere. And it's hard, but we're not going anywhere. I find that, I find that personally inspiring. On a more personal level, we spoke about this last week, but a number of people just from my past or who I interact with or I work with have reached out and said, just want to make sure you're doing okay. And that was like, it was really meaningful to me. It really was that people would take that time and they are thinking about us. And, praying for us and the reaching out. So if you're listening to Chutzlar, send an email. It really does make a difference. I don't know about you guys, but it makes a difference to me. And then I realized like the things that I need that keep me, me balanced are, is my day to day. Like I exercise regularly, I, I run regularly, and now my daughters run with me. And I like, and you said, so I try to kind of kill two birds with one stone because I have the pleasure of being able to run outside in the, in the fields which I just lo I love. It's my Ghanaian, you know what I'm saying, to be out in nature. It's getting a little hotter now. And I do it together with my daughter very often now. And so that exercise, first of all, it's like, it's better to be addicted to that than something else. And it's very, very mm -hmm. inspiring and relaxing. And then you get the nature and the beauty of Eretz Israel, and now the corn is growing and uh, seeing that. So I, I find that all of, all of that stuff is perfectly inspiring to me. And the last thing is something I think we, we I don't know if we take for granted. I, I think we maybe do take it for granted. And uh, it was mentioned by a rabbi on Shavuot. He said, listen, like every life is, is, is important, but 4,000 rockets and the amount of, of damage. And so now, Johnny, I hope you don't get upset at me for saying this, but how can you not see Yad Hashem? How can you not see the protective arm of God? And you want to say it's in, the, it's in the Iron Dome and the technology? Of course, but A, we have to see the Yad Hashem in that, that we've been blessed with this incredible technology. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. And, and I, I think that without that, uh, being a religious person, being a spiritual person, I, I choose to see the Yad Hashem in, 
in the fact that as while every life is 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 important, they shower literally shooting thousands. I mean, it's thousands of rockets and thousands of missiles, and and we emerge relatively unscathed. I think that's something that that gives me a lot of inspiration. All right, we'll stop here. Uh, we'll take a break, and uh, we talked about what does bug us, what what keeps us straight, not doesn't, what doesn't bug us, what keeps us happy, and we're gonna maybe spend a little bit of time after the break talking about. Maybe things that we could avoid, should avoid, or things that we don't want to avoid because there's some things that are important to us that make us a little bit unhappy. Back after this. Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ila, a halachic query, or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. All right, we're back. Molly, we're going to go back to you. We're going to start with you. Hmm. How do you deal with the things that bug you? You said you're on social media. You've had... uh, you know, we all have things on social media that bother us, obviously, and we choose what to engage with and what not to engage with. But sometimes you feel like you need to engage. You want to engage because there are things that you shouldn't just let it go by. And as we know in the world today, the world of social media has an impact. It has an effect. It sprinkles down. It has very much, it has great power today. So are there things that you choose to engage with? And if so, how do you do it in a way that's constructive and positive and not destructive and negative? That is an excellent question. Um, First of all, I do think, can can you hear me? Um, I I do think that there has to be a degree of limiting how much social media exposure we we avail ourselves of because I do think it's toxic and dangerous and unhealthy. But as you say, I also think that like... um, there's an there's an importance to engagement i think that if we're going to do it the only way to do it is first of all to learn how to regulate ourselves before we we respond right meaning um responding out of our immediate emotional negative response whether that's anger frustration sadness righteous indignation whatever it is that's not the place to engage from and so the first thing is to um pause first of all pause and decide whether this is worth engaging with at all i think about that a lot sometimes i like press the like button and then i unpress the like button because i realize like sometimes less is more sometimes an immediate reaction isn't the right thing sometimes you know commenting is not always appropriate i think that that's important the first question is like is is this going to be useful and is this going to be helpful right am i engaging with a person with whom i can is this going to be a good faith conversation or is this not going to be a good faith conversation? If it's not going to be a good faith conversation, it's just not worth engaging. Just, it's it's just, and I'm sad to say that like, I think there are some that are obvious to us, right? Like if I, I happen to have like, I don't mind sharing this, it's fine. I happen to have like written something positive on Nikki Haley's Facebook post. Like, thank you for standing up for the truth about Israel. Like a very innocuous comment. And I got like so many people attacking me for saying that. And you know what? People you don't know, right? People you have no idea. No, all these strange, except for one creepy guy who like then found my found me my found me on on Facebook. So I quickly like changed all my, you know, <laughs> friends only. Um, but like, I'm not going to engage with them. I'm not answering one of them. I'm not getting into an argument with strangers, right? I'm not getting into a flame war on Nikki Haley's Facebook page. That is not a, a helpful or useful response, right? So that's like show restraint when required. When you've made a decision, this is what I think. I might be happy to hear what Johnny thinks, but when and and you would be when when you when you've made a decision. But, but sadly, this is what I was going to say. Sadly, sometimes even people that we think are worth engaging with because they're part of our community, they're more or less part of our world. It's time to also know sometimes when you're talking to somebody with whom e- either 
they're not changing their minds or this is not the forum that's going to actually be a useful forum to change their minds, right? So you have to think about who are you talking to? Is there actually anything helpful or positive that's going to come out of this conversation? Are you Also, what's your purpose? Is your purpose to change someone's mind? Sometimes you know that your purpose is not to change someone's mind, but sometimes your purpose is just to like put a certain a certain certain position out there, right? Just Laman, you're you're out, right? You want a certain perspective to be put out there. And that's valuable as well, right? So I think it's really important to think about who are you talking to, why are you saying it, and what's your purpose. Um, be selective about when you do that. And when, when you talk, first manage your own emotions before you interact. Because when, if you're coming from a place of reactivity, that conversation is not going to, um, I don't think it's going to be productive in the long run. Mm-hmm. Johnny, you're active on social media. I've seen you post a few times. Do you engage or it's all, I mean, you do most of your stuff is educational and uh, teaching and you write, if, you, if people don't know, if you study Daf Yomi, you should definitely subscribe to Johnny's Daf Yomi feed. I don't know if there's a separate feed. I'm sure you can get it in a lot of different places. Do you engage, I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not a follower of yours in a political sense. Do you engage with people when they, when they frustrate you or when, let's say, for example, you just posted about your friend who was, assaulted in England. Did, mm. What did that lead to? Did that get you somewhere? Was it, was it a venting? Was it an outlet? Uh, what, do you, what do you think? So, so you know, something what I've uh, noticed over the past few years is this encroaching sense of responsibility to speak about Israel beyond my love of Israel. I don't see myself as a Israel educator, meaning I come as a Torah educator. That's really my background. That's my passion. That's what I do. I live in Israel. I'm passionate. I know a lot of things about the modern state of Israel. But nevertheless, there is a certain skill set and a certain uh, level of information which I'd say qualifies a person as being an Israel educator. And that's not quite my field. Nevertheless, over time, and especially during uh, times where the spotlight is placed on Israel, I feel there's a moral duty to raise my voice and speak more about what's going on. Now, what I don't try and do is, I don't try and be an educator, meaning social media is not a great platform to speak with nuance. And truth be told, if you want to understand anything meaningful, you need to know that there are multiple layers in any place, in terms of Jerusalem, in terms of Israel, in terms of conflict, in terms of Aza, and there's a time and a place and and Facebook, certainly not Twitter, is, is uh, not the place to do so. So what I try and do is just speak authentically and describe my reality for two reasons. Wait, wait, Number John, one I want to stop for a second just on what you said, because what you said on the one hand is so true. There's no nuance. <coughs> There's like, you feel like you don't really convince anyone. The conversations I've had are, are very rare that they're real conversations. But at the same time, it's so important and so influential and so impactful. So Correct. how can you not engage? It's almost like, so, a, it's, so, it feels okay. like a Sisyphean task. On the one hand, like, there, there's this mabul of hate and vitriol that no one was going to listen to you, but how could you not? So, so, again, first and foremost, I do write a lot about Israel, but I do so from a place of personal experience and authenticity. Meaning, and that's not because I have any other gender than I want people to know what my life is. And what my life is is not coming with any explicit political agenda. The very fact that my house shakes whenever there's booms is a fact you can you can argue what you think that means that's a fact the very fact that my kids are sleeping in a bomb shelter the very fact that school is cancelled that my daughter's school in its son has had more rockets falling than one could ever imagine these are facts and and given that i don't need to get into the silly spats of opinions because i i uh, i congregate my ideas around facts or when it comes down to torah ideas opinions and expressions in terms of Israel education, there is a very, very um, particular skill set necessary to be employed, which needs to be employed, especially in terms of social media. And we need to train some people in the art of doing so, just as much as there are some people who are qualified firefighters, and most people are not. And if there's a fire, I would generally advise somebody who's not a firefighter to walk into a building that's burning. And all too often, actually, I find that people who are passionate but unskilled actually do more harm than good on social media. They think, oh, because I believe this and I feel this, therefore I have the skill set and the knowledge 
to go through spats which rarely persuade anybody and all they do is make your minority in an argument of hate so my advice would be uh, uh, it's strange again i think every person who has a present social media feels responsibility to speak passionately about israel i say do so but do so from a place of facts and 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 do so with a sense of strength so ganjan you said facts twice but i've increasingly begun to feel not begun to feel i mean i think it's obvious facts don't matter the fact that meaning someone who is is not sensitive to your point of view is going to say well your house wouldn't shake if you weren't part of an imperialistic apartheid regime a hundred percent you know that's I don't engage in those conversations. Do you understand? I have no meaning, interest in them. Meaning, like, we're not, we don't live in an era of facts anymore. We live in an well, era, we really, again, really do not. Majo- admittedly, the majority of the people who are following the kind of posts that I'm writing are mo- more likely to be, shall we say, the converted. Nevertheless, those who do engage and those to, who do um, get involved with, with important uh, spats on social media, even though they don't necessarily change any minds, need to be skilled in doing so in terms of understanding what is the right moves you know if you're not good at chess and trying to play people who are playing for years you're probably going to lose and you're probably going to lose bad and there's a certain foolishness i would argue of those who again who are passionate but don't understand the skill of different platforms of social media or the power of images if you don't have in your back pocket a series of toxic images to demonstrate to those who you're debating that what they're saying is unlikely to be a full fact, it's probably foolish to go into that conversation in the first place. So I think, yes, one needs to um, to speak about what's going on. Yes, one needs to share your reality, not because you're seeking empathy or sympathy, but because that's a reality and people around the world should know it. But in the much more aggressive world of, of the ping pong of opinion, rarely one listens to the other, there does need people to be involved. We need to train people involved just as much as you mentioned. Your son is in the army. <coughs> he goes through a certain level of training. That you may, they may be kids, but they're kids who've gone through a certain amount of rigor. And fighting for Israel, even on social media, requires a skill set that isn't for everybody, but for those who have it, I, I support them through and through. Um, but I know that not everybody is quite capable of doing so. Okay, but John, yeah, my, my one concern with what you're saying is so then I, I agree with you. I don't think people should be getting into flame wars or fighting. But I do feel that like I, I personally am very am very, as 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 Ruby said, very, very um, heartened when I see people putting out posts of support. And I feel like if you say, well, you could only get into the fray if you're trained. Are we then going to say, OK, we have to step We're basically. Also, we are, the Israeli side is terrible. They've always been the losers in the propaganda war. I don't know why we're so bad at this. We're so good at so many things. But when it comes to the propaganda battle, we are terrible. We've been terrible since 1990. One second, propaganda suggests a certain uh, stretching of truth. If you have to stretch your truth. Okay, whatever you want to call it. The war for public opinion. We have been losing okay. that war. I remember somebody coming to Stern College in 1992 and telling us how terrible we were in 1991 during now, the Gulf I heard a talk on the radio today about just how terrible we are about it. So are we really that terrible? Or We are terrible. We're, or, yeah. or, I don't yeah. know. Or are we terrible? Is the world hate us? Does man bite dog, not a story? Dog bite man, not a story? Whatever people, you know what I'm saying? Like we're always going to be the, the perennial, you know, oppressors. Doesn't matter. If Jews are strong, people will hate us for it. Bottom line. I, it, really? Is that going to be surprising to you? And they're, they're gonna, if, that's about right, it. which is exactly why, since you know you're not going to convince uh, that many people, my belief is we, you, you, you need to be on record, but to expend the energy, the limited energy you have, right, in order to lose an argument badly <laughs> when you're a minority seems to be uh, a retrograde step. So, so where's there the needs line be between be making sure that there's a presence but not getting involved in, ba- in battles are going to The line lose. is we need to get better organized in this. I agree with this entirely. Truth be told, I'm, as you know, I'm, I've spent a lot of time studying not just social media, but its impact and how we engage mm-hmm. with things. We need to do better, but that doesn't mean, you know... A, See, again, it's interesting because I've ba- already... I just tune out the John Olivers of the world. I just know Trevor Noah. Yeah. But because I mean, I, hugely there's no, influential. There's, no, well, there's nobody to talk to, but they have tremendous 
tremendous influence on people within our own, uh, on our theoretically, on our own community. Meaning, like if I read the New York Times, I subscribe to it because I think it's important to be aware of what's going on out there and not to ignore what the paper, quote unquote paper of record says. Did you know that 150 liberal organizations signed on, uh, a, a, you know, signed on and supported the Palestinian cause that have nothing to do with anything about foreign policy or Palestinians? You know, hunger organizations in America. Just it's it's now become anti-Israel sentiment has now become part of the liberal talking points, the progressive talking points in Israel, and that's why if you want to be the mayor of New York, you have to have a position on the Palestinians. It's insane. But, but what am I supposed to do? Like, maybe I should just shut it out. Yeah, there are other people responsible. And I have to go to my happy place or, or not. What do you think, Johnny? I think it's not shut it out. You need to call it out. Uh, and, and we need to call out anti-Semitism because the very fact that, I mean, I, I can't even repeat some of the things that were uttered in these rallies that went through in London. Um, it, is, it highlights the fact that this isn't a political issue for the majority of people there. This is a hate issue, right? These are hate crimes. People are being beaten up and killed. Uh, and, and actually, you ask people on the ground, not just you know, Jews in Israel. Ask Israeli Arabs, right? ask Bedouins. Ask people, really, you know, 1.9 million Israeli Arabs in Israel. Tell me what your fate is like, and, and you'll get a different story. This is, you know, there's so much uh, misrepresentation, but that's why. In order to unpack things, you need a right platform. The, the power of social media is you can spread ideas far. The danger of social media is you can share bad ideas far as well. And all it takes is a singular meme in order to achieve that. So we need to be better at meme making. We need to be better at fighting back. We need to be more skilled. But the truth is we'll probably lose anyway mm -hmm. because there's a whole variety of reasons why. For the average person who's not particularly skilled, my feeling would be, what the heck are you doing? You're probably going to make things worse because it will highlight your ignorance. Because if you're not really an Israel educator, right, at the very least, you need to know a certain thing about history rather than simply because you like getting coffee in some point in Tel Aviv, right? Know what you need to know in order to engage. And if you don't know much, please don't. Um, but again, on a personal level, I think people should at the very least acknowledge what's going on and recognize that it's not nice, it's not fun, and we don't wish ill, God forbid, to any innocent party, uh, wherever they are. Uh, this is not a, a war of hate. This is a war of defense. Uh, as we said, not even a really a war. This is a response to, to a, an absurd series of, of vicious attacks on innocent people in a democratic country. And anybody who, can, who can't see that is coming already for a point of such disgusting bias uh, that needs to be called out. And we need to be a little bit more um, confident in calling out that bias. If you cannot see thousands of rockets being showered on innocent civilians in a democratic country as being anything other than the greatest war crime, then you are already... And not just, you're not anti-Israel, you're anti-Semitic. It's, it's disgusting. <laughs> and more than that, you're anti-Arab because there's 1.9 innocent Israeli Arabs, mostly, uh, living in the state of Israel. Um, not to mention the Arabs in Azov. I want to take it back and, and then ask you a question. John, you call somebody who can't see that, see, see things the way you see them as anti-Semitic. So no, It's not the way I say it. This is a fact. Any country in the world which is democratic, even forget even democratic, what, what do you do, which John, has Johnny? rockets shot on instant civilians, that's an act of war. I mean, what? you don't. It could be any point in the world. This is to nothing the to do with the state. state. What do you do? And this, I sent you this thing, and it's just driving bananas. And Molly said we could talk about our happy place. So now I'm going to talk about my not happy place because I actually think this is really quite important. Somebody called my attention to a petition signed by rabbinical and cantorial students who, who appeal to the community. This was like. I don't know when they signed it, but it, it came to our attention literally after the rockets are, fl are flying. And these are students of, of non-Orthodox liberal, liberal seminaries who are the future leaders of the Jewish people. And I'm just going to quote one, one section. And they say the following. We are the future. How long will it take us for us to see that our, our Israel has the military uh, and controls the border? How many Palestinians must lose their homes, their schools, their lives? For us to understand that today, in 2021, Israel's choices come from a place of power, and that Israel's actions constitute an intentional removal of Palestinians. We are the future leaders of the Jewish community. We are training to teach the Torah and lead the rituals that will hold our joy and sorrows. 
and we are full of tears. We implore you, our community, to find your tears too. Tap into the empathy that you need to feel and experience the reality on the ground in this place so that we can work to change it. This is from future Jewish leaders while missiles are falling on millions of people in, 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 in Israel, millions of their co-religionists, millions of other Jews. Now, now I, this really, like, it, it made me very sad, really, really sad, really worried about the future. But so I'm, I want to throw something out. I was thinking, how do you fight with this? How do you combat this? How do you deal with people who are really the future leaders of the Jewish people who are basically saying we identify with the people who are killing Jews more than we identify with Jews who are trying to protect themselves. Johnny, you understand Man, what I'm saying? One, I just, Listen, I unbelievable. Just want to add one now, more I have a theory for you. I have, a, I, have, I, have a, I have an idea, and I want to run it by both of you, but, but I cannot not engage with this. I send emails to friends of mine in America who are involved in this kind of thing, and they're kind of like, they're not throwing up their hands, they're working on it, but they didn't have a good answer for me. So ignore this, or like this is a, like, this is a danger to the Jewish people. You should just know that a leading Democrat, the leading Democrat in the, in the House of Representatives held up a vote to allow Israel to purchase, you know, guided munitions, to buy guided munitions, not whatever. Why? Of course, because he has backing in his community in Queens, in New York. And the community, that, it's not from the Hispanic community, it's the Jewish community is supporting him. They're the ones that are egging him on to like, whoa, let's not sell missiles to, to, to Israel while there. This is the defense of the Jewish people. And these are our own people. So what about the it? if not now that talked about how I forgot what it was exactly. I didn't said, believe that like, was real. I, I thought that, that was, was real. Fake. I don't All know. Right. I didn't actually believe that was real, but maybe that's my own naivete. So I want to throw an idea uh, by you and you tell me if you think. Time, I, I, just, yeah. I, just, I just want to add one further layer because uh, uh, some of you, our listeners may well know, I used to live in Yabinimin as a neighbor of Reuven. And a lot of people who live in Yabinimin actually used to live in Gush Katif. My neighbors, the person who used to own my home, used to have property in, in Gaza, right? And they were all kicked out most with uh, no plan in 2005 during the disengagement. And I want to tell you, do you remember the first time when there were many rockets f falling and I was living in Yabinimin, and my immediate neighbors, right? Right, Dudu, right, my, my, my friends, my community, and they're still very, very cl close friends. It's impossible to understand. These are people who left their homes under promise of peace and now are showering in rented homes, right? Because the people who have now taken over their land uh, based on a peace deal, are using that privilege in order to attack them as innocent civilians in the state of Israel. Anybody who doesn't, you know, talk about tears, anybody doesn't understand that the very fact that there is this beautiful strip of land called Aza, which was a beautiful area that could have been used as a place of building up a community and instead was destroyed, has become a place of, of terrorism, where you have a democratically-led terrorist organization, the level of pain, anguish, disappointment, and tears of those people is extraordinary. For those people who left their homes, they'd say, if Aza was used to give dignity to those who are living there, we would have been happy. For that, we would have said, Diane. But it's not. And, and the intense pain of, of Ruby, your neighbors, you know, and people we know who continue to relive this, this loss and not just that, frustration on behalf, not just of Israelis, but of Palestinians who had that chance of having a beautiful life, but that's been destroyed by democratically elected terrorists, it, it's extraordinary. So if you want to have tears, have tears for, Wait, for the Palestinians 100%. You're, 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 you're like, let, let's go back to my problem. I'm serious. Like, your problem is, you're right. I live with these people, and I can imagine their pain. But what do we do with... Literally, the leadership of the Jewish community who is not supportive of Israel. The, these are the future leaders, the cantors, the rabbis. They're not just not supportive, they're ignorant. That's the point. They're anti-Israel. It's not not supportive. So I, if I, I, I if thinking, you know the facts, fine. But Molly, I'm curious what you facts. think about this. I was thinking, like, you know how, remember, like, um, there was this whole thing about, I don't know, in America, that you have to hit people where, where it hurts, i.e. in the pocketbook, that they went to these companies and they said, you're supporting XYZ, we're not going to patronage, patronize you in that head, some kind of an effect. I was wondering, if we wrote an open letter to five of the, of the largest foundations that support these in, the institutions where these people are learning, at the, at the Hebrew Union College, at the Ziegler School of Rabbinic Studies, at Hebrew College, at the Jewish Theological Seminary, we said, these are the future leaders that are being, that are being uh, promoted and produced with your funds. Is this really what you had in mind? Are these, are these the students during while rockets are falling down on Israel? 
is maybe 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 is that possible that that would that would cause them to have a discussion with the people that they're sending millions of dollars to uh, about what does it mean to train a rabbi or a cantor in Israel today? Depends what I mean. That's only a no, First of all, I'm not sure because it depends what they think. If if they don't, don't like know, what you're I, saying, they'll tell you what. Well, now nah, you're the cancel culture. You're the snowflake. What happened to blah blah blah? Right. That's it's always at any anybody's every time. Maybe somebody they says will, but maybe they won't. I imagine. They or they'll people, say, "Oh, look, Jewish conspiracy, Jewish money. Look, Jews control everything, and now they're going to, you know, Jewish and, control. And yes, Jewish money does control the Jewish theological seminary. I'm just yes. saying, whatever you say, there's going to be, and this is what we said in the beginning. You, you, people who are, you want to try to do it. I'm not against these things, right? Meaning. Whatever. There, there are certain companies that I'm just probably no, going to stop patron. No, I'm saying big gado. I agree with you that 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 uh, probably the best way to influence is, is often through financial means, um, and uh, and I believe in that sometimes. I just think that this the whole the, 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 it's just so much more complicated. It's so much more deep. You might have a short term effect. I'm not sure if, if like if if that's going to change as, as Ruby as as Johnny said the problem here is is the education right by the way that's the thing we didn't mention last week when we were talking about like where this comes from we didn't mention academia we didn't mention the campuses that's where a lot of this the problem is coming from um, and and I, I I don't know how you reeducate an entire population it's it's not clear to me how you go how you go backwards so I also want to I just want to say two other things about the things that Johnny said. Johnny was talking about social media and limited impact and, and how, you know, you have to be really trained. I would say that another another place to look is off of social media. That's also been very heartening to me. Every time I see a rally, right, there were rallies in Florida. There was there was a rally in Atlanta. Mm. Um, there was a rally in New York. That's how people make impact, right? Everybody knows that like a Twitter mob, even though unfortunately it has effects at the end of the day, People are slowly starting to realize that a Twitter mob freaking out because somebody said something they didn't like. It's bad policy to base your, let's say, financial decisions or your, or your, you know, even political decisions, um, or your, 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 your um, corporate decisions on a Twitter mob because the Twitter mob they're just they, they, they're keyboard warriors and they don't. At the end of the day, they do have power. We see that they have power. But probably it would be more effective for us to actually try to affect change in the real world. So I'm not saying that we should leave social media. We have to. There's a lot of real information war that goes on there. But maybe if we if we expended our ex- efforts outside of the social media bubble and in the real world, right? Call your congressperson, right? That's what that's what we what we need our allies to be doing. Um, and that I think is very heartening. And that brings me back in general to this question, like what can we do? And oh, there's nothing we can do and it's all for Fallen. And it's not, I, then I'm, I'm gonna go back to what I've said before about the circle of influence and the circle of control, right? There's so much that we care about. There's this giant circle of things that like really bother us and can make us crazy and, 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 and pull our kishkas out. And then within that giant circle, there's a smaller circle. And that, those are things that we can control. And sanity lies in focusing on actually acting within the circle of control. And the circle of concern, right, sanity lies in kind of knowing when to let that go. Whether you, as, as, as Johnny said, or maybe it was Ruby, right, you, you leave that to God, right, um, or you say like, it matters to me, but I'm gonna leave it to the people who, who know how to, how to handle it, or I'm just gonna leave it to history. But where I am gonna focus is what can I do that actually makes an impact? Where do I, where can I actually, um, what action can I take that's actually meaningful? And that can range from organizing a rally to sending an email, to sending a voice note, to drawing a picture, to um, supporting Chayalim, right? And I think that that's true not just for people outside of Chutzlaritz, that's true for us here as well, right? My daughter said to me that one of her friends said to her, she feels so guilty that we're in Gush Etzion. Oh, yeah. oh I, I want to suffer I, with Kal Yisrael. I said, you don't, you don't want to suffer with Kal Yisrael, but I'm just saying, Molly, you don't, don't want to go into, it's like, you don't want to go into a bunker. Why, instead of saying, I feel so bad that I'm not in a bunker, how about you, you, you know, make pictures and send them to the Chayalim. Do something positive, do something meaningful. Yeah, so I actually think that the most meaningful thing I ever did for the good Jewish people is raising my children here. Okay. I mean, if you think that, that's, uh, I guess, uh, not an unveiled pitch for making Aliyah. To, to, that's the most impact you could possibly have. It, it is, but I want to also send from here, from us, from RZ Weekly, I think um, a, a, a note of appreciation for all the people who reached out to us um, individually, mm-hmm. um, privately, and publicly on Facebook and in support of Israel and standing with Israel, and I think that um, that is great. And, and for many of them, it's not easy. 
Johnny Reeves making a face. For many of them, it's not easy. It's not easy. As you said. No, no, I'm not making a face about that. Yeah. There are people in positions, (laughs) actually can make an impact with what they say in social media because they're connected to people that they can actually impact, but they have to say very carefully because of the world that they're living in and people are doing it. And I give them tremendous credit. They are really... Um, they, they're they're also warriors in this battle, and they they're doing it wisely, as Johnny said. They're not just shooting off at the mouth. They're thinking. I'm thinking of more than one person who has contacted me privately and has made me aware of this. They are very carefully using their social media and their ability to talk to their contacts in a very tricky minefield um, of of the cu- current culture to to try to change people's perspectives. And for that, I think we all need to say thank you to. Hundred um, percent, totally agree. And I, I actually don't take it for granted, especially in this climate where where. There, there's, there's the, always the prospect of violence, and I think that Jews need to understand that they need to stand up for themselves and their rights as well, and, and not, not cower. You can't. There's nothing you can do. Then you know. I think that's something that's hard to do, and I really applaud the people that that do that. All right, John, do you want to add something? Because before I wrap it up, I want to share one more thing. Um, no, I, I, I actually I just want to thank both of you for just kind of this uh, open conversation. Um, I think we've said some useful uh, things. I think, Marty, thank Ruby. I have nothing much more to say than also to echo the sentiments. All those who've reached out to us, we appreciate it. Uh, but please reach out also to those we may even not know in more difficult places, again, in, in not in Sterot, uh, right further south. I'll tell you one, one quick thing. I can't remember who said it, but uh, a, a, a Facebook f- uh, friend said, I want to thank Hamas for introducing me to all these small Yishubim that I didn't know the names of, but I'm now seeing their names pop up <laughs> in, in Red Alert. Now, that was, it, was, it was tongue-in-cheek, but actually it's really important that people get to know what is real Israel. Often people know about a certain number of places, but know the names of these places. Learn the names of, of towns, of, of cities, of Yishuvim, which are further south and perhaps you may not necessarily always go, because for many of them, this isn't just what's happened this week. For many of them, this is unfortunately a regular occurrence. And the fact that they have to tolerate this is unacceptable. And, and they want the government to take a strong line and, and recognize that this is unfortunately something which happens far more often than necessarily the news reports it. So I actually feel that way about the Garanim that and the, yeah. these people living in these mixed cities. I, I, like, I, along with a lot of people, sent them a, a little donation to try to help them out as best as I could. And, you know, we've been seeing this now also, even the Shiva and Akko, when they wanted to go buy a building, simply go buy a building. This all started, if you recall, when the Rosh Shiva and the Manka were beaten up for trying to go find out the price of a building in Akko to, to house their, to house their, I think it was, it was in Yako or Yafo, I don't remember yeah, which one, to house their Yeshiva students. Right, it was mm-hmm. Yafo. And, and just the idea now, they speak about that, you know, the presence of these Garinim Toraniim is, is, is... They're Mitnachalim. They're called Mitnachalim. It doesn't matter mm. where they're Baruch from. Baruch Hashem. It's great. It's great. Anyway. I, uh, I want to say one last point. People, Wait, are you in the middle of yeah, To be exposed to these people, I, I've been inspired by them, and I think that's something, their exposure and their, and their, their strength is something that's been inspiring to me. Molly. Yeah, I just want to add on. It's a very similar point, which is like, I think we've been speaking a lot. I just want to make it very clear to everybody that the Israeli, Israelis are not... Um, they're going through a hard time, but Israelis are incredibly resilient. They have an incredible ability to to be strong. They have an incredible ability to to re, to, to even sing, dance, and rejoice in the face. You know, when when that's called for, despite difficulty, they have an incredible ability to to have a sense of humor. I'm sure you guys have gotten some pretty funny memes over the past. Couple. My favorite one was. It's terrifying how um, how accurate Hamas is. I hope they don't attack my mother-in-law's apartment, which is the third floor in you know that building with the I little like the red flowers. Memes. I like the rocket memes. Somebody sent one in my Gemara share about like you know the Hamas ones. That's Mishnah, and then like the yeah, crazy ones. That that's Gemara. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like so that. I'm just saying, Israelis, thank God. Yeah, you black know, humor is big. Black. Big it's big not just big black big humor. Big. It's all kinds of humor. It's defiant humor, and and I, this. I, I, I'm just saying this because Jews. Thank God, you know, you said you're, you're proud to raise our kids in Israel. We are not cowering in Galut anymore. We cry for every loss. It's not about it's not about being aware of tragedy, it, but it is about a, a whole new type of existence. And I think uh, we, we all feel blessed to be here, even in these times. 100%. As everyone says, we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I just want to end by sharing. Uh, Johnny, you didn't have a word of the week. Did you have one prepared or you want to wait for next week? We thought we were going to go to a word of the week. Or I should probably mention that to you. 
next week we're gonna start with the <laughs> word of the week thing. You said we should start it. I don't know. Because like, like, you, know. you had a okay. word. You had a word last week. Michelle. This was like pre uh, but it's a political week. But it's a, it's a, next week. Next week. Think of the word of the week. Okay. You'll be week. our you'll be our uh, liturgist. Anyway, I wanted to share for people who are on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, you must follow the Twitter feed of a guy named Yair Yaakobi. Yair Yaakobi is a member of the Underdust group. He's hilarious. But, but he's, he's simply hilarious. Now, his Hebrew is hard, and there's a lot of cultural Israel nuance in it. But he happens to live in Lod, and he jokes about the fact that he, they, like, he's basically useless, he says, and so they made him become a Tatspitan, which is like a lookout person, which they're having. I wasn't even aware that they were doing this, but they have lookouts. They have people standing on buildings to make sure that everything is, is peaceful and quiet. Um, just look for Yair Yaakobi. Uh, you know, follow his uh, Twitter feed and uh, you'll get the dark side but the funny side of, of, his, of, of, uh, of Israel. All right, we'll stop here. I want to thank Molly and Johnny for this uh, enlightening conversation. And uh, we wishing Israel, the people of Israel, safety, security, and peace. Uh, if you're listening to us on Apple whatever, please uh, give us a five-star rating and share with your friends. I've actually, people have reached out to me. If you're a new listener, uh, we'd really be happy to hear from you to really be happy to hear from you and, uh, and let us know and spread the RZ Weekly word among the community. Have a great week, everybody.